Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. The majority of information is actually going to be included in the weekly performance review document that we talked about in part one. So technically you could just use that, but it's still nice to make sure that you're getting the most up-to-date information. So when you click send, you know that you've got the best and most current data for your investors. Real quick, before the episode, I want to give you a gift of 25% off. And that gift actually is from TransUnion Smart Move. Go to tenantscreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. Because as landlords, we tend to be most concerned with getting paid on time. You might also know that hundreds of thousands of landlords have to deal with the headaches of evicting tenants each year. Evicting a tenant can be painful, costing as much as $10,000 in court costs and legal fees, and take as long as four weeks to complete. What if there's a trusted way to help prevent the headaches of dealing with evicting a tenant? Make the smart move right from the start. Smart Move's online tenant screening solution can help you quickly understand if you're getting a reliable tenant, which will help you avoid potential problems such as non-payment and evictions. For a limited time, listeners of this podcast are invited to try Smart Move tenant screening for 25% off. Here's how Smart Move can help you find your next great tenant. Make a more informed decision with Smart Move's proprietary credit score built specifically for tenant screening, which predicts evictions 15% better than a typical credit score. Reduce non-payment risk with Smart Move's Income Insights Report, which enables you to analyze the applicant's income within minutes and determine if additional income verification is needed. Get critical information quickly with a full credit report, criminal background, and eviction history report. With over 5 million screenings completed, SmartMove can help you make a better leasing decision for your rental property. If you own a rental property, SmartMove can help you identify the right renter from the start so you can avoid the problems of non-payment or evictions. Don't put yourself at risk. Go to tenantscreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. With TransUnion Smart Move, you'll get great reports, great convenience, great tenants. There needed to be a resource on apartment syndication that not only talked about each aspect of the syndication process, but how to actually do each of the things and go into it in detail. And we thought, hey, why not make it free too? That's why we launched Syndication School, and Theo Hicks will go through a particular aspect of apartment syndication on today's episode and get into the details of how to do that particular thing. Enjoy this episode, and for more on apartment syndication and how to do things, go to apartmentsyndication.com or to learn more about the Apartment Syndication School, 
go to syndicationschool.com so you can listen to all the previous episodes. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome back to the episode of the Syndication School series, a free resource focused on the how-tos of offer syndications. As always, I'm your host, Theo Hicks. As you know, each week we air two podcast episodes that are part of the larger podcast series that focus on a specific aspect of the apartment syndication investment strategy. And for nearly all of these series, we offer some sort of document, spreadsheets, a template for you to download for free. All of these free documents for the past syndication school series, as well as the actual syndication school series episodes, all that can be found at syndicationschool.com. This is going to be part two of a series we started yesterday, or if you're listening to this in the future, the podcast episode before this one, entitled How to Asset Manage a Newly Acquired Apartment Syndication Deal. At this point in the process, you've gone from being a complete noob to actually closing on your first deal, and now we are going to go over exactly what you need to do in order to make sure you're able to successfully implement and execute your business plan. So as I mentioned yesterday, this is going to be the longest time frame of the entire process, most likely, because this is when you buy the deal to when you sell the deal, which could be five years, 10 years, or maybe even longer. So these are the things that you need to do in order to ensure that the deal is successful during those five to 10 plus years. And we began by giving a general overview of the top 10 duties of the person who's responsible for asset managing the deal. We went through the first five yesterday, or the podcast episode before this one, in part one, and we're going to go over the next five today. So just to review what we went over in part one, the first five duties we went over was number one, to implement the business plan, which involves reviewing the financials on a weekly and monthly basis, and then comparing that to your budget to determine any discrepancies. Number two was to have the weekly performance reviews with your property management company. And we offered you the free weekly performance review template that you can send to your management company so they can fill it out so you can track all of the KPIs, the key performance indicators. Number three was making sure you're sending out the correct investor distributions on time. Number four was to manage the renovations, so manage the interior and the exterior renovations. And then number five was maintaining the economic occupancy rate. So make sure you check out part one so you know specifically what the best practices are for those first five asset management duties. And today we're going to finish off the top 10 with duties six through 10. So duty number six is going to be the investor communications. Now, as I mentioned in part one, these asset management duties aren't going to be solely the responsibility of just the asset manager. Every single aspect of these duties are not performed by the asset manager. Most of them are in tandem with the management company. And then others are in tandem with the person who's responsible for raising capital. If that person is different from the asset manager. And investor communications is one of those. This is going to be a a team effort on these investor communications. So obviously, just like you notified your investors of the new deal, you presented information at the conference call, you notified investors of the close, You're also going to want to notify your investors of updates on an ongoing basis. So for Joe's business, what he does is he provides a recap email to the investors each month that recaps the activities of the previous month. So we just sent out our June recap emails in July. So June ends, we gather all the information during the first few weeks of July. We put it together in a nice organized email and then we send that out to investors by the middle of the month. 
And I'll go over specifically what goes in those emails in a second. But we also send out financials on a quarterly basis. So each quarter, we also send out a up-to-date T12 with the income and the expenses, as well as a current rent roll. And then on an annual basis, the recap email includes the K-1. So that is the tax documentation that you provide to the investors so that they can file their taxes properly. For that, you want to make sure you talk to your CPA so you can determine exactly when they are going to prepare and complete these K-1s. So you let your investors know, starting with that update that goes out in January, when they can expect to receive these K-1s. More specifically, here are the things that we include and that you should probably also include in your monthly email. And before I go into that, the process for obtaining this information is to have the asset manager or whoever is the interface between you, the syndicators, and the management company should reach out to them and say, hey, each month can you please send me this information? Obviously, letting them know before you close that this is what you're going to do. And so you set expectations so that when you close, you'll say, hey, by the way, on a monthly basis, can you send this and this? The majority of information is actually going to be included in the weekly performance review document that we talked about in part one, and that is the free download. So technically, you could just use that, but it's still nice to make sure that you're getting the most up-to-date information. So when you click send, you know that you've got the best and most current data for your investors. But so the asset manager will get that from the management company, and then the asset manager will forward that on to the person who's responsible for raising capital. Because you want the person who raised the capital from that person to be the person that's responsible for the ongoing communication to them. Just because it would be weird if for the first six months, year, however long it was, they're talking to Joe. And then all of a sudden, once the deal closes, they're talking to some random Billy Bob Joe. And they don't really know who that is. So kind of keep the communication consistent with your investors. And then obviously the person who is responsible for writing these emails will obviously send these emails out as well. So now that I've got that out of the way, what actually goes into these emails? So here's a checklist that you can use in order to make sure you're including all the relevant information in the email. So number one, which you would want to lead off with, is any information about them getting paid. So if you're doing monthly distributions, then in that first recap email, you want to explain to them or remind them, because the information should already be in the investor guide, how they're going to get paid, how much money they're going to get paid, and when they're going to get paid. So something as simple as, welcome to your first recap email. As a reminder, download the investor guide for information on the timing of distributions, tax timing, etc. Expect to receive your first distribution by this date. Since we close on this date, it's going to cover, for example, let's say you close on June 15th, 2019. You'll say you'll receive your first distribution by the end of August. It will cover the time you own the property from June 15th to July 31st. And then after that, what's it going to be? Well, after that, it'll be whatever your preferred return is on whatever your frequency is. So if you're doing monthly, you can say it'll be a prorated 8% preferred return each month. And then you also want to explain that, again, this is only if you're doing this, that every 12 months, we're going to evaluate the performance of the property, determine if we can distribute money above that preferred return. So you remember, you've got your preferred return, most likely, and then a profit split, most likely. So you distribute that 8% preferred return. At the end of the year, let's say you've made 9%. We'll say you projected 9% and you made 10%. Then you can tell your investors at that 12-month point, say we've owned the property for 12 months. We evaluate our performance. I know we projected a 9% return to you, but we're actually able to hit a 10% return. 
So in your next distribution, in addition to your normal 8% prorated return, you're also going to receive an extra 2%. And then say, for example, if you invested $100,000, it will be this much money. So really you want to lead off the email each month with any information regarding them getting paid. And that'll change each month, obviously. And then for the months where it's just a regular 8% prorated return or whatever your preferred return is, you don't need to say that every single month, right? Just set expectations in that first email and whatever it changes is when you want to actually disclose the information. Next, if it's the quarterly basis, you want to include a link to the actual financials. So what we do is we have a Dropbox folder for each property and any relevant information pictures, links, whatever, goes into that folder. And then in our emails, we'll copy that Dropbox links and hyperlink that in the email. So they can click on it, it'll open up their web browser and they'll be presented, boom, with the financials or boom with a picture. And then from there, you want to also make sure you're including occupancy information. So you want to explain what's the current occupancy and then what's the pre-lease occupancy. And if you want to go above and beyond, something else you can do is track each month to see if your occupancy is going up. So that if it does go up, you can mention that in bold. So you can say, our occupancy rate has increased to 95%, up from 94% last month. Or even better, our occupancy rate has increased for the third straight month from this to this. And you also want to mention what the pre-lease occupancy is so that, number one, your investors know what the expected occupancy is going to be from the end of the month. Just because current snapshot is great, but what are we trending at? Is it trending upwards? Is it trending downwards? Is it trending the same? Plus, in the beginning, when your occupancy level is a little bit low, they'll be able to see that, okay, well, it may be below 90% right now, but by the end of the month, we're expected to be at 90 plus percent. Next, you want to provide an update on the interior renovations. So you want to say how many units have been renovated since you've bought the property, and then how many units were renovated the previous month. And then you'll want to provide information on what rental premium you're demanding. So ideally, at the very least, you say that we are achieving our projected rents. Even better is if you're achieving a number which is higher than your projections. And if you remember back in the episode about the investment summary, when you're presenting the deal to investors, you want to make sure you're conservative with your rental premium numbers so that you can say we are projecting a $100 increase in rents based off of our renovation program. Properties in the area that have undergone similar renovation programs have seen an increase of $150. That way, the deal still makes sense at $100 and you're able to get $150. That's just more money for you and your investors and more positive information you can include in the email. And then in the beginning, once your model unit is done, or if you don't have a model unit, just one of your first units are renovated, send your investors some pictures. Right? You don't want it to just be a bunch of words. Investors are going to want to see exactly what you're doing to those units. So you provide them a picture of the kitchen, the bathroom, the living room, things like that. Next, you're going to want to talk about the other improvements, the other CapEx projects that are going on at the property. So for example, you can say that we've installed all the carports and we plan on releasing them at $25 per space, which will increase our net operating income by whatever dollars per month. Or we just rebranded our property to ABC Apartments and are in the process of designing a new monument sign. And then three months, once that monument sign is done, you can say our monument sign is installed, click here for HD pictures. So not only do you want to provide updates and make sure that these are consistent each month. So during the first month, you talk about 10 different things. You want to make sure you continue to bring those 10 things up until they're done. And then once they're done, you want to provide pictures of the completed project. 
Something else you want to include are any type of events you're hosting for your residents. And so we'll go over this in a lot more detail in a later episode, but a very strong lead generation and retention strategy is to host resident appreciation parties in a sense. So we'll go over specifically what those are, but if you're hosting any sort of party or event for your residents, you want to include that in the email. And then lastly, any news item that's relevant to the market that the deal is located in. So if a new company has moved to the area, you can say Amazon just opened up a new distribution center. They're investing $100 million planning on generating a 1,000 new jobs. And hey, it's actually a short 10-minute drive from the property. This reinforces our thoughts on the continued strength of the market. So that's really an exhaustive list of things you can include in your email. You can include all of that. You can brainstorm more things to include in the email. You can include less things. It's really up to you. That's what we include in our updates each month. So you can use that as a guide to create your own emails. A few extra things to think about for these emails. So number one is the timing. So make sure you set expectations with your investors about the timing of these updates. So whatever you tell them in the beginning, in that investor guide or in your closing email, in regards to the frequency of these updates, make sure you're actually doing that. So if you say we're going to send updates each month by the 14th, then make sure you send updates each month by the 14th. If you say the updates are going to include XYZ, make sure the updates include XYZ. If you say that you're going to send these emails out by a certain date, make sure you're not waiting until the day before to write the emails, especially starting out. You know, eventually you can get to the point where you could probably write them with a few days notice, but at first, the second the month ends, you want to get that data from your management company within the first few days or whenever they have the data inputted. And then you want to instantly start working on those emails so that you can send them out on time. And sending them out earlier is even better. Then a few other things, and I kind of mentioned some of these already, but I'm going to just kind of reiterate. These are some important milestones. These are things that aren't something that should be included in every single month. It'll be something that changes in your emails throughout the year. So as I mentioned, at the end of each quarter, you're going to want to send your investors the financials. So you're going to send them a rent roll on the profit and loss statement. Make sure you're not including any personal investor information in those financials. Sometimes the property management company will put the money that got distributed to investors at the bottom of the rent roll, the bottom of the T12. So take that out of there so that your other investors don't know who invested what. And then also it's better to put those in, in PDF form as well, just because people can look at PDF on their phone pretty easily, whereas Excel might be a little tough. The formatting that might not work on the phone. And then if you have a monthly payout, so if you plan on paying investors each month, in the first recap email or the recap email before that first distribution goes out, let them know when they're going to receive it and then provide an example of how much money they would receive based off of a $100,000 or $200,000 or a $1 million investment, depending on how big your deals are. If it's a quarterly payout in the first recap email and then in the email before they get their first quarterly payment, make sure you let them know hey, this is when you're going to receive your payment and here's how much to expect to make based off of an example. And the same thing for an annual distribution. So the first recap email and the month before that annual distribution goes out, when are they going to receive that payment and how much money are they actually going to make? And then lastly is that tax documentation. So once you've had your conversation with your CPA and they say, hey, we will have those K-1s to you by the end of... February or by mid-March, and here's a process for sending them out. Starting that first recap email of the new year, 
let them know the process, and then each month let them know, hey, as a reminder, here's the process. So that you're not getting an influx of emails in February, March, April timeframe asking, where's the K-1s? When am I getting the K-1s? How's the K-1 process work? They're, they're already prepared. They already know what the process is. And the only way you're going to be getting a bunch of emails is if you don't hit that date you communicated to them. And then a few other best practices. Number one, how do you actually make these emails, right? So sure, you can use your Outlook or whatever email service you use and make one email template and then copy and paste that into individual emails, copy and paste the emails in there and then send those out individually. Probably don't want to do that because it's going to be pretty time consuming, but technically you can. Was a better method, and you should, we've already discussed the service of it as MailChimp. There's other things you can use too, like Active Campaign, Constant Contact, or AWeber, or whatever other email service that you want to use. But use some sort of email service that allows you to automate these things. So you, you type in a template, and then it'll automatically send out that email to your imported list of investors. It'll put their name in the subject line and things like that. You're not going to want to make these emails individually. That's just going to take too much time. And then I kind of already mentioned this, but when you're sending out any images, any financial documents, create a Dropbox account. If you have to, buy an upgraded storage amount and just make it an individual folder for each property. And then each month, upload any documents, any pictures to that file, and then copy and paste those into your email. The reason why is because let's say you've completed a monument sign and you've got a really nice HD picture that's 200, 300, 400 megabytes in size and you insert that into your email. And then let's say you've got 10 more of those pictures in the email. The email's never going to load for your investors. If it does load, it's going to eat up a ton of their data. Whereas if you just do the link, they can click on the link, go to the browser, and they'll easily be able to see, okay, here's the pictures that he's talking about. Plus, you know, the email might not even go through... The email might take forever to go through. A lot of emails might fail to send. The investor's folder might be so big that your investor's email can't even handle it. So to avoid all those issues, just use Dropbox. It's pretty simple. And I also mentioned the thing about converting the financials to a PDF as well. So that was just one duty that went over, the investor <laughs> communication. We're going to go ahead and stop there for today, and we will wrap up the remaining asset management duties next week. And then we will move into more specifics on some of the top 10 asset management duties that we discussed. Just because, again, I wanted to do first a general overview of what your responsibilities are and then kind of not necessarily go through each one and go into more detail, but just kind of provide overall, hey, here are some more things you should be thinking about when you are asset managing your property. Until next week, I recommend listening to part one for sure to learn about those first five asset management duties. And we talked about number six today, and we'll do seven through ten next week. Listen to the other syndication school series we've done so far. This is series number 20, so you've got 19 other syndication school series to listen to to get all caught up. As well as download the free document that we gave away in part one, which is that weekly performance review. And then also download the other free documents we've given away. We've given away at least 20, 25 documents for free at syndicationschool.com that will help you start, launch, and grow and scale your apartment syndication business. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you next week.
If you own a rental property, TransUnion Smart Move can help you identify the right renter from the start so you can avoid the problems of non-payment or evictions. Don't put yourself at risk. Go to tenantscreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. With TransUnion Smart Move, you'll get great reports, great convenience, great tenants. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellyn.com forward slash show. That's dwellyn.com forward slash show.